every Sunday, you know, I just get so thankful to be able to um, celebrate baptisms with people who have made their decision to follow Jesus, whether as a, a eight-year-old or as a high schooler, now being baptized as a college student. It is, um, it's just a joy and a privilege to be able to, ba- to celebrate baptism anytime it happens within the life of our church. Um, so I am so grateful to be able to worship with you this morning, both in song and in baptism. And so uh, today, if you have your Bible, I want to ask you to take it now and open up to Psalm 145. Psalm 145 is where we're going to be today. And, um, you know, I want to lead us today. I want to introduce us into a sermon series that we're simply calling Christmas in the Psalms. Uh, For the past few weeks, we have been really focusing on different chapters in the Psalms. And as I was thinking and praying through how the Lord wanted to uh, speak to us, you know, through his word leading up to Christmas, uh, the Lord just put it on my heart to continue on in the Psalms. And so we're going to continue to look at various chapters in the book of Psalms as we lead up to our Christmas Sunday. And so today we're going to be looking at Psalm 145, and we're going to be talking today about how to give God the gift of praise in a season where people, uh, where we're focused on giving people the gift of things, right? How to give God the gift of praise in a season where we're focused on giving people the gift of things. Let me just read Psalm 145 um, out loud. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They will speak of, the might, of your might and awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This is God's good word for us this morning, and I'm thankful to be able to open it with you. Um, This is a pretty long chapter, right? 21 verses, and there's no way that in the next 10 or 15 minutes, uh, which is about all the time we have today. Uh, there's no way I can preach through every, every bit of it. And so I just want to focus on a couple things that stood out to me as I was reading it this week. Um, there were two phrases that stood out to me. The first one is the phrase, the Lord is. If you look at the chapter, you can see that phrase, the Lord is, in verse 3, verse 8, verse 9, verse 17, verse 18. So we're talking about who God is. And the other phrase that stood out to me is uh, the phrase, bless your name. 
or we will bless you. You see it in verse 1 and 2, verse 10 and verse 21. And the point today is that I want to help us focus on who God is so that we can praise his name. Very simple, straightforward. I want us to focus on who God is so that we can praise his name. And uh, the thing about this is that when it comes to the Christmas season, if there's ever any season in the American holiday schedule, like it should be Christmas that should make it easiest for us to focus on Christ. And yet at the same time, isn't it true that sometimes it can be so hard? We get caught up in distractions with different events or programs or busyness or family or gifts or budgets or whatever it is that we're focused on. And uh, before we know it, the last thing that we can focus on during Christmas is Christ. And so today I want to uh, lead us into the Christmas season by calling us to focus our attention on the Lord and on his goodness as we see it laid out here in the book of Psalms. I want to just point out very quickly four attributes of God that lead us to praise him. After we do that, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And after we take the Lord's Supper, we will again sing in praise to his, his great name. So let's get started. Uh, Psalm 145, the first of four things we see about God in this text that I want to point out is this. First of all, we praise God because he is great. Because he is great. Verse 3 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. It's almost like that word great is, uh, it's too vague, right? It's too common or something in our, in our world today because basically like we use the great word great for everything. How you doing today? Great. Yeah, how you been? Great. Uh, something bad goes on in our life, you know, we're like, oh, great. You know, it's like nobody knows what we actually mean when we say the word great. Um, you know, we use uh, great in regards to nature. We've got the Great Lakes. We use great in regards to sports. We've got the Great American Ballpark. If you need a haircut, you can even go to Great Clips, right? So these are the types of things that we think of when we think of greatness. Um, we ascribe greatness to so many things. We, we ascribe greatness to people. Think about in um, human history, you know, and people who have been great in our eyes. As we think about history, you know, people who have uh, achieved high military ranks or outstanding awards, people who have um, done, accomplished some sort of feat or ended up in a hall of fame. Why do they get these recognitions of greatness? It's, it's usually because they've done something that is what? Quantifiable. It's measurable. And therefore, it earns them some sort of an accolade or award. But I want you to see in our text today how God's greatness is described. Look again with me at verse 3. Verse 3 says that his greatness is what? Unsearchable. You know what that means? It means that his greatness is immeasurable, right? Human greatness is, is measured. Yet for God, uh, even if we tried to measure it, we couldn't measure it all, right? When we think about, you know, uh, deep thoughts about God, it, it kind of um, reminds us, you know what? God is the one who gave us the ability to think in the first place, right? When we see these new pictures and images that are coming out from our telescopes, right? We remember our God is the one who knows every single star, even the loads of them that we've not discovered yet. He knows them all by name. We think about loving acts and loving deeds that we've seen done throughout human history. Man, our God is love, right? So his greatness is, is unsearchable. It's immeasurable. He's so much greater than man. So we praise the Lord this morning because he is great. He's greatly to be praised. That's the first thing we see. Here's the second. We also praise the Lord this morning because he's gracious. He's gracious. Verse 8 and 9 says this, that the Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Guys, if you're one of the all that has recognized your, your desperate need for the mercy of God, can you just say thank you, Lord, this morning? Thank you, Lord. All right, we 
are all people who are in desperate need of God's grace. You know what it means to have a gracious God, guys? Here's what it means to have a gracious God. It means that you, uh, you don't have to be sinless in order to have a relationship with him. You just need to be forgiven. When I was uh, young, I remember going to some evangelistic events or some uh, student, um, high school student activities and retreats, and there was a speaker that came in town. And maybe you've heard this story or seen this illustration before, but in the event, we'd have a crowd like this with a bunch of teenagers. They would take a rose on a stem, and they would pass it around and say, everybody pass it row by row around. And inevitably, this beautiful rose, by the time it passed through all the students and then came back around, the petals would be, you know, falling off. The stem would be broken, and it kind of, you know, looked broken. It looked messed up by that point. And, uh, you know, the, the speaker would say to us, like, okay, guys, this is why you need to, you know, protect your purity and things like that, because you don't want to end up, you know, undesirable like the rose. And, um, and the question that was always posed is, you know, who's really going to want the broken rose? And a few years ago, I heard Pastor Matt Chandler from Texas preach, and he said, you know, you know who wants broken roses? You know who wants broken people? God. God wants the broken rose. And uh, why is that? That's because he's gracious. He's gracious. God wouldn't have to be gracious and forgiving, right, if we didn't need any forgiveness. Like, we're sinful people, but yet our God is so gracious. So don't sit here today believing that you have to be perfect or sinless to be a Christian. You just need to receive forgiveness from the God who loves you enough to grant it to you. And by God's grace, he did send his son Jesus to grant you his forgiveness. Jesus came and he lived the sinless and holy life that none of us could ever live. He died the sinner's death that all of us deserve to die for our sins. And he rose again from death, showing that he was indeed God in flesh and had the power over sin and death. And the scripture says that by believing in him, all of our sins in God's eyes can be forgiven. We can be made clean and made new. So guys, as we think about Christmas, let's remember God is gracious. What a gracious God we have to send us the Lord Jesus on the first Christmas. The third reason we can praise God that we see in Psalm 145 is this. It's not just because he's great or gracious. It's because he's faithful. He's faithful. Verse 13 says, the Lord is faithful in all his words. The Lord is faithful in all his words. I got to ask you today, has anybody ever disappointed you with their words? Man, anybody ever broken a promise, let you down, didn't keep a commitment? You know, um, we all struggle with people who have been unfaithful to us. And let's be honest, all of us have also been the, the people who have been unfaithful to others. Right? We're, we're part of the unfaithful problem. Which is interesting because what is one of the most uh, popular Christmas songs that we sing at Christmas? We sing the song, O Come All Ye What? Faithful. And I like that song. I sing it. But, you know, I'm really thankful that Sovereign Grace Music, a few years ago, put out a song that's called this. The title is, Come All You Unfaithful. And the point of that song is that God welcomes sinful people to come to himself and find forgiveness. One of the lines of that song says this, Come guilty and hiding ones, there's no need to run. Christ was born for you. Praise God. Praise God. So yes, come all you faithful, but also come all you unfaithful. Why? Because God will be faithful to you. And here's the last thing that I want us to see today. We also give God praise this morning because God is near. He's near. Verse 18 in our text 
says this. We praise um, that the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. I want you to notice with me, verse 18 doesn't just say that he's near in general. The scripture actually says he's near to people who actually call on him, right? Um, Have you ever had that moment when you're like super focused on something, you are concentrating, um, but you need something from someone, so you're focused, but you you call on your spouse or your child or your roommate, hey, hey, and you know, you kind of yell for them, and then like, they're like sitting right next to you, and they're like, I'm here right? And it like startles you because you didn't know they were that close, right? Guys, I want you to understand in some seasons of our life, that's the way it is with God, right? We, we really don't know how close he is until we humble ourselves enough to call out and ask for help, you know? And when we call out to him, uh, if you will call out to him today, you will see that he is surprisingly close to you, waiting for you to call out to him. Sometimes we feel like God is distant, don't we? Sometimes going into Christmas season, we can feel so distracted by other things that, that God is distant. Maybe this year's been a tough one for you, and so you wonder, where is God in the midst of your tough year? You remember what Scott Dixon preached about last year, you know, or last week? Scott Dixon preached last week and said, you know, uh, we need to stop listening to ourselves and start doing what? Preaching to ourselves. We would be much better off if we actually believed the God who spoke in his word. And our God who has spoken in his word says that he will be near to all of us who call on him. So if you feel like God is distant today, my challenge to you, call out to him. You'll be surprised at how near he is to you. If you've never called on him for salvation, like Claire and like Calvin have, let today be the day where you call on him for the forgiveness of your sins. He will forgive you and make you his own and you can start your own personal relationship with him today. Call out to him because he's near. So how do you give God the gift of praise in a season of giving people the gift of things? How do we do it? We focus on who he is. We focus on who he is. And today, we've looked at who he is in some very simple but important ways in Psalm 145. We've seen that he is great, he is gracious, he is faithful, and he is near. So practical question for you. Here's a practical question for you. What is your plan to focus on Christ during Christmas. Really, what's your plan? If you don't have a Bible reading plan or a devotional plan, let me just recommend one to you that you can get uh, online, uh, very cheap, very easy to download on your phone or your device or go online and buy the book. There's a Christmas devotional book that uh, I'm going through this year and I would invite you to do the same. It's called Come, Let Us Adore Him. And it's by an author named Paul David Tripp. Come, Let Us Adore Him by Paul David Tripp. It is a daily devotional for every day through the month of December leading up to Christmas. And uh, I would just encourage you today, make a plan to focus on God this Christmas. I really believe it will help you praise Him in your heart as we get closer to Christmas Day. So today as we close this service, we're going to do so by celebrating communion. Um, Here at Maine, I'm going to lead us through communion And over at East right now, your location pastor is going to lead you through communion uh, at your site as well.